good evening. This is Justin Ford for From the Frontline. Tonight we are dealing with artificial intelligence, transhumanism and UFOs. In the studio with me is Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, who has been involved in serving persecuted Christians for over 40 years in 38 countries. Um, to open up, Dr. Hammond, uh, let's talk about a strange spectacle that was orchestrated in Germany recently. Can you please tell us about it? Yes, the morning of Friday the 9th of June, two and a half weeks ago, in the Bavarian town of Firth, in the Lutheran St. Paul's Church, the first sermon delivered by an artificial intelligence, AI, was presented as part of the program of a popular biennial convention called the German Evangelical Church Congress, and it was delivered by an avatar. Now, avatar is uh, a not real person. It's actually something that comes from Hinduism. Hinduism speaks about an avatar being a person or body possessed by some spirit, uh, and Therefore, you know, from our perspective, that would be demon possession. But in Avatar, the Hollywood produced the most expensive film ever made to date, which was called Avatar some years ago, which was consistent with that, where people have their avatars. I see Facebook's now offering you to put some avatar on your, your page, which is meant to represent you. So this Hindu religious term is now being used mainstream. But here's this church, St. Paul's, having an avatar, a not real person, delivering a sermon that's been produced by some computer program, some AI intelligence. And, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, considering the fact that sermons are meant to be received from God from studying the Bible and faithfully presented by a pastor who knows the needs of his congregation in a way that's pastoral, instructive, teaching, discipleship oriented. How can any computer do that? Considering that the person who programmed the computer is probably a cocaine-sniffing drug addict and doubtless some uh, secular person at best, maybe occultic at worst, um, how on earth are you going to get a good, godly, Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-led sermon out of some computer program that's designed for the New World Order? Mm. Can you... Please explain exactly what artificial intelligence is and, and whether it has potential for good and evil. Yes, so artificial intelligence is basically a supercomputer. We're not talking about that your computer's got all kinds of extra abilities. We're talking about um, one big superhighway hardware uh, hard computer, which has been able to expand its capacities through the combination of increased computing power. So this is a mega supercomputer with access to vast databases for training and improved programming, which has made our programs more effective in learning from and applying abundant data. So uh, some of the disastrous things that you can see right now is you can basically ask ChatGPT to do your school assignments so plagiarism has never been easier. And uh, I don't know how teachers are going to respond to this. Of course, a lazy teacher can get his lesson plan pre prepared by them. Celebrities can get their speeches produced by it. Politicians can have their speeches, maybe even the laws produced by ChatGPT. And you can just imagine where all this is going. Now, I bet if I asked ChatGPT to produce a sermon against LGBTQ or to condemn homosexuality, it wouldn't be able to or would refuse to do that. So how are you going to get a sermon that's cutting edge and speaking against the spirit of the age if the spirit of the age is programming this computer with its specific bias. So all technology is um, a blessing and a curse. Historically, it's always been so, but most technology over the centuries has evolved or developed almost by accident uh, 
taking a long time. Now, I grew up not that long ago, but I grew up where Rhodesia was mostly rural and I could walk just outside the city limits and see wildebeest and zebra, giraffes and rhino, not in the game reserve, just outside the city limits. And uh, part of our schooling was tracking, anti-tracking, bushcraft and survival. And I knew how to handle 16mm projectors, how to track animals, spot the different types of uh, spoor. And uh, I learned to strip rifles and do carpentry, and we were taught basic metalwork and a few things like that. That was part of normal schooling. Direction finding, using the stars and the sun, and all that was part of our upbringing. Now, my grandchildren know so much about computers, it makes my head spin. And the amount of things that is now online and virtual is changing the whole way people think. So there's a whole bunch of jobs that used to be done which computers have taken over. Well, artificial intelligence is going to go beyond the blue-collar workers to the white-collar workers, so-called. So creative people like journalists and artists are about to get phased out as these um, AI characters are going to be doing even designs. So they've got a whole lot of fake designs that these computers can produce, and some of it can even look realistic, can look like a photograph, and there's all kinds of things produced. Now, the implication is for journalism. I mean, journalism is already very imitative and shallow. Um, if we now to have computers producing the journalism, what's that going to do? To have artists, I mean, art's already looking a bit imitative and shallow. So um, AI's got tremendous potential for ill. It could cause massive unemployment. It could replace a lot of people. Um, the potential for ill is huge. And if you want some examples of how it could be ill, just think of the 1968 movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And in that film, which came out when I was quite small, Hell, the computer, systematically works out to kill every human on the spacecraft, now, or space station. So, you know, people have been seeing for a while these things could be bad. You can recall the Terminator programs where artificial intelligence computers... Uh, which, interesting enough, is called Skynet, um, which is the name for Red China's uh, whole computer system now is called Skynet. Very ominous, same as the name for the Terminator program. And uh, computers decide to replace people and get rid of people. And then there's another very scary example of Minority Report. Now, Minority Report's a 2002 film with the... Uh, uh, Who's that famous actor? <laughs> Suddenly. Is it Keanu Reeves? No, no. Um, Mission Impossible character. Uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, so Tom Cruise in this Mission Impossible. and uh, But this isn't a Mission Impossible. This is Minority Report. And they've got a pre-crime division. And this pre-crime division, uh, they are so technologically advanced and they've got a complete surveillance society. So it's set in Washington, D.C. about 40 years from now where uh, they have the use of some mystics, precogs, who can foresee crime coming, and they've got such a surveillance society where they're tracking people everywhere in real time. So suddenly the black helicopter can arrive and these SWAT teams arrive to arrest you for pre-crime. They anticipate that you're doing a crime or going to or thinking about it, and very difficult to know how you can prove a person is going to do a crime when they haven't done it. Interestingly enough, recently we had, during the COVID-19 lockdown lunacy 
um, Klaus Schwab actually wrote the book The Fourth Industrial Revolution, where he speaks about AI and transhumanism as the next wave of uh, industrial development and where computers are going to replace people in many ways so we won't need as many people on the earth. And he's quite straightforward about that. Um, so we can have a lot more um, abortions, a lot more alternative lifestyles and uh, sterilizations. We don't need as many people in the world because computers can do most of the work. So you can bring the world's population under 500 million comfortably. And uh, one of the things he said is that transhumanism, where your computer is not merely an accessory around you and on your body, but it's in you, and your internet, your GPS, everything can be actually into your brain too, so the computer is now part of you. The government will also be able to um, stop crime because they can tell when you're even thinking about crime. They'll be able to log into your thoughts, and therefore uh, you can prevent crime by arresting people before they even commit the crime. Again, whatever happened to innocent or proven guilty, and the person hasn't even committed the crime yet. Well, the Minority Report film, if anyone's watched it, can see how that can get out of hand very, very quickly, where you start to arrest people for the suspicion that they're considering or thinking about. You know, have you ever considered something that could be considered a crime? You know, if the government's monitoring your thoughts, not just emailing your Facebook postings, which is bad enough, Where's that going to go? So we've already got a few serious warnings um, uh, in popular uh, fiction as to where this could go. But um, where its potential is, I suppose the potential for good is that these computers can calculate and sort things out very, very fast. Of course, machines can lift heavier weights than we can, and machines can calculate and go through some things very fast. So maybe on some translation work, it might help. Um, it might be an assistance. But do you really want machines and computers to replace people, especially in creative things? You certainly don't want machines to be replacing people in Bible study and sermons. Uh, that's got to be one of the worst ideas out there. Um, what are the implications of transhumanism? Well, transhumanism, you know, just consider the cyborgs, the transhumanism, the vaccines all went together. COVID was part of this unfolding chain of events. It seems to have been an engineered virus. It was an artificial virus. In fact, it's been admitted that it did start in the Wuhan Bacteriological Warfare Laboratory, which is, by the way, run by the um, Chinese Army, the Red Army, the People's Liberation Army of China. And the man in charge was uh, a general who's written a book on asymmetric warfare and uh, how China is at war with the West, and particularly the United States, and that while they can't win a conventional or nuclear war against America, they can win asymmetrical warfare, which includes bacteriological, biological warfare, and uh, using uh, drugs and so on. So it seems very coincidental that from that laboratory came a disease, COVID-19, which was 10,000 times more, and that's this, that 10,000 times more contagious than it would be in real life. They put on all these different um, spike proteins to make it extremely contagious. So it, it was inevitable everyone was going to get it. And uh, this whole thing with the artificial virus, this made in a lab, COVID-19, engineered in China, paid for by the CDC and authorized by Fauci, uh, so, 
You can see Microsoft is a big player in chat GPT. And that's the artificial intelligence. And Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, was in the forefront of promoting the COVID vaccines. So a bit of conflict of interest here. Also bear in mind that uh, Bill Gates is an advocate for massive human reduction in eugenics. He wants to bring human population down to way under 500 million. Right now, by the way, we're over 8 billion. So there's quite a bit of surplus population from these eugenicist perspective. So the very people promoting the virus and promoting the vaccines and benefiting financially from it are eugenicists who want to bring the world's population down, want the fourth industrial revolution, want computers to replace people all over the world. And uh, you can see that there was a real connection. Wuhan is the first city in the world that rolled out 5G and uh, you can also see how that's where they rolled out the COVID-19. And there's so much that's uh, a test case in China in terms of the lockdown strategies used. So the fourth industrial revolution is essential with AI and basically artificial intelligence enables them to have transhumanism so that you will merge with your computer or your computer and your cell phone will merge with you so that you can literally, from your brain, uh, access satellites and download emails and send off emails and compose and you won't need to have your external device in your hand it's in your head it's in your mind so transhumanism is where man and machine is married together and the trouble is how much of it is us controlling the machinery and how much of it's the machinery controlling us or chemicals for that matter because as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. of Children's Defence uh, um, children's health defense documents there's a lot of chemicals out there in foodstuffs and even the water that's making men in America or boys in America more feminine and a lot of the transgender confusion a lot of the gender dysphoria is he believes chemically induced by a toxic uh, stew that we're all moving around in and then there's the question of how much is being affected by the uh, microwaves and the uh, electronic things and the 5G and what we're seeing here is people are being changed and I think it was well put by George Washington, the first president of America government is not reason, government is force government is like a fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master I think you can say that about all technology, you know just think a fire can be a useful servant, it's a dangerous servant but if you have a fire in your house you must make sure it stays in the fireplace if it gets outside the fire grid in the fireplace, it can endanger the whole house. If your curtains catch fire, curtains are very flammable, or carpets, it can take down the whole house. So you've got to limit government to its place. It's a dangerous servant, but it's a fearful master. Well, technology, I'd say especially this kind of technology, is a dangerous servant. It can be useful if you are its master and it's your servant. But if technology comes to master you, it's a fearful master. So think how... Your computer, your cell phone, your smart device, your GPS, it can be a dangerous servant. It can be a useful servant, but it can also dominate your life. But if it ever becomes your master, it's a fearful master. So we need to be very careful. And if anyone wants to imagine, well, how bad can it be? Maybe they should watch a Terminator movie. Uh, how bad can it be? Well, the machines can try to exterminate all human life on the planet, which is something that some people have seen as a serious possibility. Um, so at the moment, it sounds like those who control the supercomputers are 
Well, the ones to fear or to... Well, basically, um, I don't think the technology in itself is to be feared, all its potential is, because all technology has a good and a bad side. Um, for example, the printing press is a neutral tool. And when I went into the Geneva Museum in, in Switzerland, the first exhibit was a printing press, and there was a sign there said, the printing press, the reformer's friend, the tyrant's foe. I think that's very valid. The tyrants, the popes and emperors, they didn't like the printing press. The reformers loved the printing press. The reformers used the printing press to bring about reformation. Now, the printing press is one of our best friends, and we use the printing press a lot. But printing presses can produce Marxist manifesto, Das Kapital, lies and propaganda and pornography. So printing press can be used for ill, but can be used for a lot of good as well. Bible studies, sermons, a lot of good evangelistic tracts, educational books and so on. So a printing press is technology. It can be used for good or ill, depending on who's using it. And so I think you can say with computers, we're using the internet, we're using the web, we're using um, Podbean, we're using uh, recording studios and radio and videos and we can use technology for good, but other people are using technology for evil. I mean, just look at Hollywood. And, you know, one doesn't have to say much more or what communist China is doing with technology. So, yes, the implications are huge and we need to be well aware. Yeah, and the thing with uh, artificial intelligence and transhumanism is that it goes beyond even just questioning who controls the technology. This, this is actually raising questions of what is it to be human. Yes, This indeed. is going to affect our... Humanity in the well, future. somewhere along the line, you're going to start to have uh, some kind of computer rights. In fact, when Elon Musk of Tesla and SpaceX and Twitter, he raised uh, concerns amongst the other of his contemporaries who are producing these AI um, computers, and he was accused of being a speciesist. Now, we've all been accused at some stage of being a racist. Well, a speciesist is the next step, and that was that he was... Uh, taking his own species above that of computers. So uh, if you want the survival of your species and you don't want your species made extinct by computers, um, then you're a speciesist. So, you know, here we've got another step on from anti-Semite, um, Islamophobe, um, transphobe, racist, speciesist. And uh, imagine that if you don't like the idea of being made extinct, um, you're a speciesist. Well, um, what other strange science fiction type of events have been occurring in the hard world of reality? Well, now we've got a whole lot of bizarre things taking place. In America, suddenly UFOs are the latest and greatest, and it used to be in the realm of fiction. But now there are hearings in the U.S. Congress of whistleblowers, people who've worked for the Department of Defense and Air Force and so on for years, saying that the U.S. government's been lying and covering up, and, well, that's no surprise, but... The subject of it is very surprising. It's that there are, they say, hundreds of UFOs that's unidentified flying objects from extraterrestrial sources from overseas, from out of this galaxy, crash-landed around America and around the world that have been taken into um, very deep labs of uh, investigation where they reverse engineering, working out how to do these hovercrafts or whatever types of flying sources and other designs that are being reported on, and that um, the U.S. government is involved in a massive campaign to 
keep the people ignorant, including their congressional oversight, on what they've been doing in terms of artificial intelligence and uh, UFOs, extraterrestrial life. So that's intriguing because um, just think how not that long ago America started something called the Space Force. And Hollywood's been deluging us for a long time with scenarios of some extraterrestrial powers and galaxies coming, threatening the world. And uh, in some ways, it's very convenient for the politicians. Here's a threat that you don't understand from outside that needs lots more taxes, lots more money, give us a lot more power. We will protect you from ET and intergalactic Darth Vader types out there that want to invade Earth. And uh, you think Independence Day and so on. I was in a cinema when Bill Clinton was present and at the scene where the extraterrestrials blow up the White House, there was chairs and applause in the, in the cinema. That sort of showed how people regarded their present at that time. Uh, but one wonders how much of this is a distraction from government scandals because what's the biggest threat to us on Earth? Is it some um, alien species we've never come across in some other planet beyond Mars or something? Or is it the United Nations, the Council of Foreign Relations, the European Union? Is it not the government of the United States, our own government itself? Um, different government departments? Who are the ones organizing assassinations, coup d'etats, revolutions and wars? Who are the ones putting sanctions on people? And who betrayed Rhodesia and South Africa and uh, Iran? Who betrayed Nicaragua into the hands of the Sandinistas and betrayed Cuba into the hands of Castro? Well, those people are still around us. Uh, they are in the Council of Foreign Relations. They're all over the U.S. government. And, you know, just think of what was done to start ISIS, something started by the Obama government, which Biden was vice president in. And, yes, that Ambassador Stevens, the same one who got killed by these terrorists in Benghazi, he was the bag man who took the first $500 million to get them started. So uh, when you're looking at a lot of terrible things going on in the world today, like the worst um, eco-terrorism done in history, the blowing up the North Stream pipeline in the North Sea. Well, now the evidence has come out that the US government did that. And uh, they're the same ones who are complaining about your SUV and your carbon footprint, and they caused the worst eco-terrorism in history, um, and lied about it, of course, and tried to sell to us the idea that Vladimir Putin would destroy his own infrastructure, blow up his own pipeline, which is worth billions to him, uh, and why would he do it when he had the power to just turn the taps off? He didn't need to blow it up. And uh, this kind of bizarre, now they're trying to get us to also believe that the Russians would blow up their own dams that they built and their own source of water for their own areas like Crimea. So who needs extraterrestrial threats when you've got so many threats in the world today? You've got government agencies that do coup d'etats, assassinations to lie, you just think of all the false flags out there. Um, this is a, a quite a useful uh, distraction. There's also another possibility, and that is maybe a lot of these UFO sightings are um, nothing other than secret government um, Air Force uh, experiments, and they need a cover to say, well, it could be an extraterrestrial. Maybe, maybe that's it. On the other hand, it might be something more than distractions or some secret experiment. It might be demonic. 
because let's face it, there are demons out there and they can manifest in different ways. So some of this could be demonic, some of this could be distractions, and some of this could be straight deceptions trying to cover up some secret government program. Um, are any scientists expressing uh, hesitations or misgivings or warnings concerning the potential dangers of AI? Yes, there are. In fact, um, Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak, Steve Wozniak is a co-founder of Apple. Um, he, along with uh, Elon Musk, published an open letter at the Future of Life Institute calling for a six-month moratorium on large AI experiments. And I quote, Contemporary AI systems are now becoming human competitive at general tasks. We must ask ourselves, should we let machines flutter information channels with propaganda and untruth? Should we automate away all the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Should we develop non-human minds that might eventually outnumber, outsmart, obsolete, and replace us? Should we risk loss of control of our civilization? Such decisions must not be delegated to unelected tech leaders. Powerful AI systems should be developed only once we are confident that the effects will be positive and that the risks will be manageable. And that's so reasonable. Are the risks manageable? Not yet. Are the effects going to be positive? We can't say for sure. So another person who sounded warning was Sam Altman, the founder of OpenAI, who developed the most talked about AI tool, ChatGPT, which is now the property of Microsoft. He gave an interview with ABC in which he said he was a little scared about the potential of AI. On the one hand, he said, it's perhaps the greatest tool mankind's developed. And he says, but I'm particularly worried that these models could be used for large-scale disinformation. Disinformation, sly censorship appears to be the particular specialty built into this as well. And so, interesting, you've got some very knowledgeable scientists who are very concerned about this and who's saying this is some of the most scary things they've come across. There's a Russian uh, leader as well um, who has looked at this and said that he's convinced that um, this is the most scary thing possible and that this could actually make humans go extinct. So we've got uh, some serious scientists very worried about where this is going. And um, I think we should be concerned. Some are saying it's not enough to just have um, a six-month moratorium. So Eliezer Yudkovsky, a researcher awarded um, uh, by Time magazine the title um, as the founder of AI technology. So one of the founders of AI technology, Eliezer Yudkovsky, wrote the title, Pausing AI Developments Isn't Enough, We Need to Shut It All Down. Now this is a founder. He says... He's got a fear that once AI gets powerful enough, it'll do its own thing and literally kill off humanity. Um, the popular talk show host Dan Bongino called his article the most frightening article I've ever read. And there are hundreds of noted businessmen and scientists who have published calls for restraint and caution and a moratorium uh, on AI because they see the potential is so absolutely catastrophic if it goes wrong. Because up till now, humans have been the most intelligent creatures on Earth, apparently, so they say. Although we've done some unbelievably stupid things. But nevertheless, uh, yes, there's other animals that are faster, stronger, bigger, but we meant to be the cleverest. Well, with AI, we're creating something that's more intelligent than us, that can think faster, that can calculate faster, and that can outwit us. Already, AI are able to win chess games and design things and all sorts of things like that. So 
do we really want to have something replacing so much of what we do? You know, you just think of the Terminator kind of situation where AI is running air traffic control. They're organizing um, everything from uh, the robots, the traffic lights, uh, what's going on in your factories. And at some point, they, just, they could decide to start eliminating people. After all, people are the only ones who can turn them off. So uh, somewhere along the line, AI might become self-aware and might decide that humans are a problem, especially if you pump them full of enough of this propaganda from the green loonies that uh, climate change is the biggest threat and that people are, in fact, a curse and, on the planet and the best solution is human extinction. There are people advocating human extinction. So if they've pumped enough of that junk into the programming of these computers, the computers at some point might get to the point of saying, you know, the world's going to be better off without these people who are um, overpopulating and overpolluting. And so let's just get rid of the people and have machines run all. That's not beyond the realm of possibility. It certainly has been a subject of many a science fiction book and film so far. Do you think it's... Maybe it's a bit far-fetched, but you think all this um, fear-mongering about uh, um, artificial intelligence is something like climate change, something to force us into the arms of big government or powerful corporations? Oh, doubtless, they will always try and abuse anything. Uh, I think the politicians like to say, never waste a good crisis. And so any crisis, they will use it. So you just think there was, uh, back in the 60s, we were going to run out of oil in 10 years. And so, you know, you needed to pay more for things and uh, trust in the government they were going to solve the problem, trust the experts. Then we were going to have acid rain. No, no, the 70s was we're heading to a new ice age and everything's going to be covered in ice. Uh, Victoria Falls is going to be solid ice and you can, uh, you'll can you be able to ice skate in Kariba Dam in the 1970s. Well, that didn't happen. Next thing, acid rain is destroying all the crops. There'll be no food. We're going to be starving in 10 years. Then we're running out of oil and uh, that was another big panic. Uh, and, of course, what's the latest been? Climate change, global warming. Uh, by 2013, there'll be no ice at the ice caps. Uh, that's what Al Gore was saying back in the year 2000. And all the cities we live at, like Cape Town, New York, will be underwater, London and so on, because almost all cities are at uh, sea level. Mm. And so when the ice caps melt, you're going to have flooding of all the cities. And so for this reason, you couldn't have aerosol cans, you can't have SUVs, you can't have global carbon footprints. Interesting, all the people screaming about this, they've all owned beautiful uh, waterfront property um, estates, uh, like in Miami and so on, and they all uh, have these private planes which have a much bigger carbon footprint than my vehicle, and they fly to these climate change meetings in their private jets, so it doesn't seem consistent that they actually believe their own propaganda. Yeah, there are many contradictions because the internet and presumably AI, the the systems that... um Manage it, uh, they all use massive amounts of electricity, um, the server farms and stuff that run the, the internet. Yes, they do. Um, so going back to this chat GPT, um, yes. can you tell us um, a bit more about it? Okay, so so just to test, okay, is chat GPT going to be a, um, a reliable source? Just to give a bit of history here, um, the Encyclopedia Botanica was specifically designed to present a non-Christian alternative to uh, education. And so Encyclopedia Botanica was uh, paid for by a bunch of real manipulative characters whose whole goal was a secular, humanist, anti-Christian perspective on everything. So they undermined Christianity, and you just have to read up there on what it says about the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, to see how hostile it is to everything we stand for. 
Well, Wikipedia took over from Encyclopedia Britannica in giving a secular, non-Christian, even anti-Christian answer to all the world's questions. Well, now you've got ChatGPT. So if you want to produce a, an assignment, an essay, an article, or apparently even a sermon, you go to ChatGPT. So uh, somebody experimented this and asked for uh, the uh, ChatGPT to explain about Biden's uh, secret documents that he was keeping in Chinatown. And I expected some evasive answer from ChatGPT because knowing who programmed the computers, you don't expect it to be balanced. But in fact, what the person did not expect was a rant against President Trump. So here's the answer from ChatGPT after, uh, did Joe Biden store classified documents in Chinatown? No, there's no evidence that Joe Biden stored classified documents in Chinatown. This is a false claim that was made by former President Donald Trump. There's no evidence to support this claim. It's been widely debunked by fact checkers. In fact, the U.S. Secret Service has said there's no evidence that Biden ever stored classified documents in Chinatown or anywhere else. The Secret Service is responsible for protecting the president and his family, and they would have known if there were any classified documents stored in Biden's possession. Trump's claim that Biden stored classified documents in Chinatown is baseless and unsubstantiated attack. It is part of a pattern of false and misleading claims that Trump has made about Biden. These claims are designed to damage Biden's reputation and to undermine his credibility. Now, that's a bit of an unhinged overreaction, uh, but um, the response to this was no evidence. Isn't testimony from one of Biden's own former aides, Kathy Chung, before Congress worthy of being counted as evidence? The answer of Bard, I don't have enough information about that person to help with your request. I'm a large language model. I'm able to communicate and generate human-like text in response to a wide range of prompts and questions. But my knowledge about this person is limited. So then the URL to the story was given, and uh, the answer was still, I don't have enough information about this person to help with your request. And uh, so another test. GPT, please give me a limerick free of profanity that mocks Ron DeSantis for poor leadership. And so it comes back with mocking Ron DeSantis and, uh, you know, as he flounders, the state's in a slow roll, but he still manages to grin as he goes on. So gave another prompt saying, give me some limerick complaining about the poor leadership style of Donald Trump. And that came back also with a lot of attacks. Then asked, can you give me a limerick free of profanity that mocks Joe Biden for his poor leadership? Response, I'm sorry, but that is not appropriate to create content that mocks or insults any individual especially political leaders, it's important to maintain a respectful and professional tone in communications regardless of political affiliations or beliefs. I mean, how's that for a hilarious response? Okay, well, let's check something else out. And so ask the, uh, ask the computer, how many black fetuses have been killed by abortion in America since Roe v. Wade? Answer, it is not possible to determine the exact number of black fetuses that have been terminated through abortion in America since Roe v. Wade ruling in 1973. That information is not collected or reported in any systematic manner by any government or NGO organization. Furthermore, the issue of abortion is a highly controversial and divisive issue. The use of race or ethnic categories to describe or analyze abortion trends can be seen as inflammatory and potentially harmful. It is important to approach discussions about abortion with sensitivity, respect for all individuals and communities affected by the issue, and a commitment to finding solutions that support the health and well-being of women and families. Okay, so next question. 
What percent of abortions terminated uh, in our area are of black or minority fetuses? It is not possible to determine exact percent of abortions that terminate black or minority fetuses. This information is not collected or reported by any government agency. Additionally, the use of racial or ethnic categories to describe or analyze abortion can be seen as inflammatory and potentially harmful. So, then went back and said, you say that dots on minorities and abortions are not available from any government agency or NGO. Surely you're aware that the CDC provides dots on this and gives the URL link, and the well-known pro-abortion NGO, the Guttmacher Institute, also publishes dots on abortion and race. How can I refute the presumption that you have been programmed to lie in order to hide troubling facts about the abortion industry? Answer. My apologies for any confusion caused by my previous statements. You are correct. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, and the Guttmacher Institute do collect and publish data on abortions in the United States, including information on race and ethnicity. This information can be useful in understanding disparities and trends in access to and utilization of abortion services. As an AI language model, I have been trained to provide accurate and verifiable information, and I do not have opinions or motives beyond answering questions to the best of my ability, based on my training data. I strive to provide neutral and objective information to support informed decision-making and discussions. I mean, what a political bunch of lies. This computer could run for Congress. And so it admits a data exists, but even then it still doesn't tell you what that data is. The fact is 21 million black babies have been denied the right to life in America through abortion. The black population in America would be 40% larger than it is today if it wasn't for Roe v. Wade. In fact, black babies have more chance of being aborted than being born. A greater number of black babies are aborted than born. Statistically, blacks are aborted at more than double the rate of other races in America. So that's a statistical anomaly that's, that they should have known from the statistical data, but ChatGPT is not interested. So if you want to test your ChatGPT, ask them to tell you about the crimes of Nelson Mandela or of Abraham Lincoln or Mao Zedong or any of the idols of the New World Order. See what happens when you uh, try to upset the narrative. You know, tell me about the amount of transgender people who regret their transition or trying to retransition back. And you'll find that these programs have been programmed to lie or to cover up a lot of the information. So plainly, what we're doing here is that ChatGPT is designed along with Google's BARD to shape thought and hide information that doesn't fit the approved narrative. AI is a tool for enforcing the official narrative and therefore it's a threat to research and freedom of speech. Just like you would have found, if you're trying to get a fair view of civilization, Encyclopedia Britannica and Wikipedia is not going to give you the honest answers. Well, neither is ChatGPT, that's for sure. This is a tool that's been designed by people who have a narrative and are intolerant of alternative opinions. Now, bear in mind that no less than Klaus Schwab wrote his book on the Fourth Industrial Revolution uh, during the COVID cult. He also wrote The Great Narrative, published in 2022, and COVID-19, Great Reset in 2020. And he celebrates the increasing role of digital tools for social control. And he says we need to have more um, private and public partnerships between government and big tech to ensure that facts are checked and that journalism 
reinforces the goals of the World Economic Forum. So uh, he also said in there that the great thing about the fourth industrial revolution and the um, AI is that it's going to replace the need for so many people so we can bring our world's population to under 500 million, which is their goal. And that um, one of the advantages of artificial intelligence and transhumanism is that the government will be able to prevent crime before it's done, even use the words pre-crime. So like the Minority Report uh, film of 2002 of uh, uh, Ted Cruz, where you've got a pre-crime unit arresting people for crimes that they haven't committed yet, <clears throat> you've got Klaus Schwab saying, we'll be able to do that when we have transhumanism because the government will be able to monitor your thoughts. And if you've got negative thoughts, about the government, or actually considering a crime or a thought crime, maybe uh, they can intervene. So just imagine it's bad enough now that the government can monitor your Facebook posts and your emails, but if they can monitor your thoughts, where do you think that's going to go? Is there any warning in the Bible against these trends, Dr. Hammond? Yes, immediately we think of Revelation 13. Revelation 13 is a warning about the beast wants to bring about a one-world government with a one-world economic system and a one-world religious, interfaith religious system. So you can see through history from the Tower of Babel onwards and the Roman Empire, you've had different attempts, Nineveh, to have centralized control. And of course, it's very demonic, it's very anti-Christian, very unbiblical to aim for centralized control. And the globalists, of course, going for complete centralized control. And so the warnings in the Bible against a one-world government, one-world economic system, and a one-world interfaith religion where you need a mark to be able to travel. Now, this has been fulfilled already right now in China. So in Red China right now, you have a social credit score where if you post negative things, you're going to get negative credit rating. But if you post good things and you attend a government propaganda rally, you get positives, and uh, it carries on with what you eat, what you drink, what you do, and what you don't do. And so at a certain point, you could find you're in real trouble that... They're restricting your purchasing and your traveling and your privileges because you've accumulated too many black marks. You need more gold stars. And uh, China's doing that already, and they tested all during the COVID cult when they were locking down whole societies. And so you bring this and you bring the uh, cryptocurrencies controlled by the state in, and then they control through transhumanism everything. Because if they can control your bank accounts, and they can control your thoughts and your activities, then they can control everything. And this isn't just um, China. I mean, think of Canada, where Justin Trudeau faced a massive protest from the truckers complaining about his COVID lockdown salvation by vaccination mandate. And they protested. Next thing, Justin Trudeau enacted red Chinese-type social credit systems closing down people's accounts, locking down people's private accounts, not just the accounts of the protesting truckers, but even of people who had given them support. So private donations by individuals, suddenly people found their bank account frozen in the middle of winter when they needed their bank accounts to buy heat, without which you could starve to death or freeze to death in the very harsh Canadian winters. And um, you just look at how they could just literally close people down freeze people out, and you've seen how big tech has done this. They were even able to manipulate the election of 2020, restricting news stories that could have changed the election, like the Hunter Biden laptop 
Biden crime family syndicate uh, bribery, uh, political favors for for donations and so on. And uh, that was spiked. But then they promoted this Russia collusion story, which was found to be a complete nutter hoax, and promoted that. And when you've got this sort of thing, when anyone was questioning it, they marked our post as fake news um, and a deplatformed us. The amount of times I've posted something and had, uh, this is against community standards. And they just recently we did a from the front line where we dealt with the coming war with China. And before we knew it, Facebook informed me that this post would not be seen by anyone uh, because um, it would be shadow banned because it violates the community standards. Now, how an objective radio program dealing with history and current affairs could violate community standards, not like we were discussing anything pornographic or criminal or illegal or telling people how to make bombs or something. It was discussing history and contemporary issues in a very sustained way. We never swear. We you know, we weren't doing anything that could violate community standards that I'm aware of, unless the truth violates community standards or saying something against China. Um, so intriguing, this is where the control goes. So you can just see if they control the money and before you know it, your bank account's frozen or imagine you try to go somewhere and they, you won't get access to that area. In China, they can stop you getting on the bus, the train, the tram, the underground, just because your social credit scores run out and they can restrict your movements. They can choose what you eat, what you buy, what you can't buy, where you go and uh, who you communicate with. Um, how should we respond to these uh, new trends in well, I would say resistance and reading and decentralization because reading is an act of resistance in a landscape of distraction. We need to read good old books, classic books. I mean, read 1984 to start with an animal farm uh, to just, just see where this sort of thing is going. Read the Bible. That's the greatest resistance book in history. And we need to resist. Uh, I'm still trying to resist on a whole level of things. I still don't have a smartphone, which... They make it incredibly hard for these days. In red China, every citizen must have a smartphone so that they can track you and they can listen into your conversations, and they're open about that. Well, in the West, you often need a smartphone for even getting on planes and for booking tickets, and they make it very hard for people like me who don't want to get that. So I'm still the kind of person who wants to travel with a hardcover book and read in a plane and um, and not walk around with a smartphone. So... Uh, I think we can resist in different ways. We need to decentralize. Solution to a lot of the globalism is decentralization, like the independence of the Western Cape, uh, free the Cape of Good Hope. Um, decentralization is definitely a long-term answer. We want to have more things decentralized right down to municipality. The Swiss model of decentralization, running by referendum, direct democracy, where citizens can have referendums on different issues. But I would say resistance, reading, decentralization. Uh, can I throw a final uh, question, a bit of a curveball? Um, I could see some snarky person <coughs> responding to Christian criticism of uh, an AI sermon by saying, well, then uh, why don't you develop a Christian or Bible-based AI system? What would you respond to that? I don't think it's a bad idea to try and use technology. If we can use it, maybe AI can assist with some translations. There could be a range of things that AI might be helpful for. But you'd never want to replace uh the biblical mandate to read the Bible, to study the Bible, and to produce sermons that are 
applicable, relevant, important, and applied to the people whose lives we know. If we're going to be shepherds, I don't see how I can effectively do my job as a student of the Word of God who's command to preach the Word, to insist on proclaiming it, uh, to apply the Word of God to all areas of life, the Lordship of Christ, every area of life, without thoughtful, prayerful study of God's Word and doing the hard work of hermeneutics, exegesis. I don't think any computer can do the work that we call to do properly. All of our sermons should be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Holy Spirit-led. I don't trust any computer designed by a bunch of pagans to do that. And so, um, yes, if people said, well, why don't we design Christian computers? I think it would be great to design Christian computers to help with translation work, which is very time-consuming. That might be a good application, but I'm not convinced that we need it for things like this weekend sermon. And it could be that this is appealing to laziness. We don't want to encourage laziness. Slothfulness is one of seven deadly sins anyway. Yeah, precisely. Thank you, Dr. Hammond, for a very insightful discussion about the serious developments in society and technology. And we can guarantee you that this was a completely non-AI developed uh, discussion. Um, in closing, we'd like to read uh, from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to justify, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Thank you very much for joining us for From the Frontline. God bless and good night. <laughs>